The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Listen, this is what I want you to do for me this morning, all right? I want you to say this with me. I am a child of God. Say that with me. I am a child of God. One more time. I am a child of God. Now listen, guys, I want you to say this with me. I am a son of God. Think about that and say that with me. I am a son of God. Wow. One more time. I am a son of God. Ladies, I want you to say this with me. I am a daughter of God. I am a daughter of God. One more time. I am a daughter of God. We are sons and daughters of God. In the passage we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 7, actually Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gets together a group of people. These are people from all different areas. They've traveled to see Jesus. They've heard about his miracles. They've heard about his mighty acts. They've heard the fact that he can bring sight to blind people. They've heard about demons being cast out and they've come to where Jesus is and they want to see Jesus do great things and they want to hear what this man has to say. These people are oppressed people. These people are a dominated nation. These people are poor people. These people are persecuted people and they come to see Jesus. And Jesus looks at them. And the very first thing he says to them is be happy. He tells them over and over in in Matthew chapter 5, he says blessed. The word blessed very simply means to be happy. He says blessed are the poor. Wait a minute, I don't feel so happy about being poor. And then it goes on and says, happy are those that mourn. He goes on to say in verse 5, happy are those that are meek, those that are, that are dependent. He goes on to say, happy are those that are hungry and thirsty. He tells them, look, you need to be happy. And it wasn't because of their condition. He didn't want them to be happy because they were poor. He didn't want them to be happy because they were mournful. They had lost so many had died. He didn't want them to be happy because of their oppressed position or or their oppressed condition. He wanted them to understand their position. He wanted them to be happy because of the position they were in. He ends it by saying, look, In verse 9, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And he begins to address them as children of God. 
and he starts talking to them as members of the family of God and addresses them as the family of God. He talks to them in this Sermon on the Mount, there on that hillside. He talks to them about their relationship with each other and the relationship with the world, and he tells them over and over again, you are here to represent me. He said, you're my children, and this is how you are to act. He wanted them to know who they were, and he wanted them to know how they should live as his children. He wanted them to know that, and then he gives them a warning. There's no time this morning to go through all of the Sermon on the Mount, but I encourage you to read that over and over, understanding that God wants you to understand who you are. God wants you to understand that you are his child. It's amazing. When I was a kid, I used to like to watch this cartoon. Now, this was like 50, a long time ago. I liked to watch this cartoon called Hercules. I loved watching Hercules. He was a powerful, powerful being. He could do, he had the strength of 10 ordinary men. I liked watching when, when, when a movie came out about Hercules, I wanted to watch it because he was amazing. The reason he was amazing, this mythical character, the reason he was amazing and the reason he was so powerful was because he was the son of Zeus, a mythical god. In our culture today, we have the Marvel Universe, and there is a son of a mythical god, Odin, in that universe. His name is Thor. He's powerful. He's got a hammer that can shake rocks and mountains and, and, and kill people. He's an amazing, amazing. And the reason, the reason he's so powerful is because he is the son of a mythical god. Now, I want you to understand this. We have superheroes today who are superheroes because of where their origin was, a, a son of Krypton because of their origin. I want you to understand this. That's all myth. That's all fantasy. That's all, that's all made up. But you are not a myth. You are not a fantasy. This is not some made up dream. The God of the universe became a man so that he, as the son of God, could die and pay the penalty of your sin and mine. He proved his might and his power by going into the grave after being beaten like no other person in history, spit upon, mutilated, his back ripped to shreds. He died the most agonizing death that anyone could, could die. And the devil said, good, it's finished. And he stayed in the grave for three days and three nights to prove that he was dead, dead. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead. He was seen by hundreds, even thousands of eyewitnesses. That's why we know this book is true. 
We have no doubt this book is true because it was written by people who knew that when they wrote it, they would die for what they wrote. People don't die for something they know is a lie. They saw the resurrected Christ and they bore witness of that resurrected Christ. Now the Bible tells us in Hebrews that he died and was buried and rose from the dead so that he could call you and me his brothers and sisters. He is our older brother. He is the son of God. And because of him, now we are children of almighty God. And Jesus lived a life of an example of what we should follow. Jesus lived his life so that, so that others could see what God was like. And now God has called you and me. The centuries have gone by. Two millennium have gone by, and now it's our turn. When Jesus died, that wasn't the end as the devil thought. When Jesus died and was buried and rose from the dead, the Bible says on the cross, the last thing Jesus said on the cross was, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. The last thing that Jesus gave to us was his death on the, on, with his death on the cross was he said, Father, now into thy hands I commend my spirit. I'm giving you my spirit. The spirit of God, the, the Holy Spirit went to God the Father. Jesus came off the cross. He went down into the tomb for three days and three nights. He was there. He came up out of the grave. Then the Bible says he went back and he seated at the right hand of God the Father. One day, you and I came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know that you're God. I know that you died to pay for my sin. I believe that you were buried and rose from the dead for me. And I'm asking you to give me eternal life. And when you said that to Jesus, Jesus said to God the Father, Father, would you send the Spirit, the one that I gave to you at the cross, would you send the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of, of, of that person? And when I did that, the, the Spirit of God came to live inside of me. And when he came, he brought God the Father. He brought God the Son, according to John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. Now the Spirit of God lives inside of me, and I am a son of God. And wherever I go, he goes in me and through me. I loved the story that Rob Redland told last night. How he said, I wasn't, I, I was miserable. I didn't want to go. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be in the Philippines. I didn't, I, I hated the whole idea. And he said, but when I got there and I walked into that cemetery, when I walked into that cemetery, he said, the people came up smiling. Do you know why they came up smiling? Because they saw a child of God walk into their midst. They saw God move into their lives. They saw God. He got to be there representing God. And when God comes into the, the presence of people who do not know him, he can affect an entire crowd. I want you to understand that was true for Rob, but that's also true for you. Rob said I was a miserable representative. It doesn't matter if you're a child of God. God wants to work through you, and God will work through you. You are his child, and he wants to work through you. My phone is ringing on my watch. 
could you just, I don't even know how to turn it off. Like I got that for Christmas and what do I know? I, my, other, my, my other one's a Mickey Mouse watch, but uh, that's an apple. Anyway, I want you to understand this. And I, I, when I was praying, I said, Lord, uh, Dr. Atkins called me a few days ago and said, said uh, could you preach chapel? And I said, I'd love to. I thought, God, what do you want me to share with, with, with those young people? And God just impressed on my heart, tell them they're my children. Tell them who they are. You, you should get up in the morning and walk up to your mirror and you should say, looking at yourself, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am sent here. I, I am lit, I'm on this planet for one reason. That is to represent the God of the universe. He lives in me. And he does. He lives in you. And he wants to shine his life through your life. In whatever occupation, whatever you do in your life, God wants to use your life. You are on this planet to represent him. Understand that. In verse 13 of chapter 5 of Matthew, Jesus continues the thought after he tells them, look, you need to rejoice. Not because of the condition, because we're all living in a condition. The world's going crazy. The world's nuts. And Jesus knows that. In fact, Jesus said, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. The world's nuts. So you can't rejoice in the conditions around you, but you can rejoice in the position you have. He says in verse, he says in verse uh, three, yours is the kingdom of God. He says, if you mourn, you're going to be comforted. In verse four, in verse five, he says, you're going to inherit the earth. He says, he says, you're going to be filled in verse six. He says, you're going to obtain mercy in verse seven. He says, you're going to be called the children of God. So represent me. And then he says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Then he goes on and says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men hide a, a light but, and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You are the light. You are the salt. That's very interesting, the word salt. You know that salt is a preserver? Do you know that it is salt that preserves meat? Somebody asked me, in fact, I heard that a very famous evangelist said years ago, if God doesn't destroy America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, number one, God doesn't apologize to anyone. He doesn't apologize. But number two, he'll never have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah because Sodom and Gomorrah was in a different situation than we are. Do you remember this? That God said, God came to Abraham before he went down to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. God met with Abraham. He had two angels with him. They had lunch together and then God said, we're leaving now. We're going to, um, 
we're going, we're going to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah and we're going to destroy the entire place. And Abraham said, wait a minute, Lot's down there. And he said, uh, uh, he said, wait a minute, God, listen to what he says. You wouldn't destroy the righteous with the wicked. I mean, you're the judge of the whole earth. You're the righteous judge of the, of the whole earth. You wouldn't destroy the righteous with the wicked. And God the Father said, no, I wouldn't destroy the righteous with the wicked. He said, so if there's 50 righteous down there, you won't, won't destroy them. He said, no. He said, what if, that, if there's 45? He said, no, I won't destroy it if there's 45. He said, what about 40? And he said, well, you know, if there's 40. He said, what about 35? And he goes down to 30, and then he goes down to 25. Then he goes down to 20. Then he goes down to 15. Then he goes down to 10. Would you destroy it if there's 10 righteous people? And listen, wicked LGBTQ Sodom and Gomorrah, the home of Sodom and Gomorrah. All the wickedness that you can think of that's taking place in America today. God said, now listen, listen. God said, if there are 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, I'll not destroy it if there's only 10. Wow. God said in Jeremiah's day, he said to Jeremiah, I'm going to destroy Jerusalem. It's all over. They've rebelled against me. They've walked away from me. They won't serve me. They're serving Baal. They're sacrificing their children uh, uh, to the fire God. It's a horrible thing. I'm going to destroy the city of Jerusalem. But if you go to Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 1, and don't turn there because we don't have time, but you check it out later on. God, it's like he rethinks it. Now, God doesn't rethink anything but in human terms, it's as though God rethinks it. And he says to Jeremiah, okay, Jeremiah, because Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. Jeremiah doesn't want to see Jerusalem destroyed. And so he says, okay, Jeremiah, this is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to run through all of the streets of Jerusalem. And he said, if you go through all the streets, go through all of them and cry out and look for just one. Now listen, just one. Just find one righteous man, one righteous person, one person who is doing right. And he said, if you find one person, one doing right, he said, I'll spare the city. A promise from God for one righteous person. Why would he spare Sodom and Gomorrah? He said, for 10 pieces of salt. He said, I'd spare Jerusalem if there's just one piece of salt. God said, over and over, God told Moses, he said, in Moses' day, look, I'm going to destroy them all. But there was one prophet, his name was Moses, and he pled with God don't destroy the nation of Israel. It, it's not going to look good for you. The Egyptians are going to say, you took them out in the wilderness to destroy them. Don't set, don't, for your sake, God, don't destroy them. <laughs> God said, okay, you're right. Because of one man's prayer, God spared two million people out in the wilderness. Wow. It's amazing. The Bible says in our day, by the way, he's speaking here in Matthew chapter 5 to the children of Israel who were supposed to be light, 
The nation of Israel was supposed to be salt. The nation of Israel was supposed to represent God. And he's saying to them, look, if you'll live a certain way, if you'll live like salt, if you'll live right, if you'll do what I'm supposed to do, then you can be salt in this generation. They blew it. But I'm telling you this, that, that we have an opportunity in our generation. Because I'm telling you this, you're not just children of God, you are salt. You are the salt. Why would God spare America? Here's why. Because if you boil down all the stats, and you look at what people say in interviews taken by groups like the Barna Group and other social uh, groups, you'll find that in America today, there are still, there's 26% of, the, of Americans who claim, who not just claim it, but say they believe that Jesus Christ is the only God, that he is the only way to heaven, that they believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, they believe in the inspiration of scripture, and they believe the only way to get to heaven is through Christ, and they've called on him. That means there's 20, that, that, that means 26% or 87 million people, 87 million people in America that believe in Jesus Christ. Now, now you, you, well, they don't believe exactly the way we don't. No, that's true. The Bible says when, when you got saved, you were born again into the family of God. We have a big, big family. And there are some strange ducks in our family. Can you say amen to that? We have some strange ducks, and you might be the strange duck. I don't know. The truth of the matter is, God says that we are his family. We're born into the family of God. We're not all part of the same church, but we are all part of the same family. When you got saved, you became a member of the family of God. God has, listen, 86 million family members in America today. Here, there are thousands, right here, of his family. The reason God won't destroy America, or hasn't destroyed America up to this point, is not because of our great form of government, not because of our senators or our congressmen or our president. God has spared America from destruction. Now listen, because of you. You, we are his children. We are salt. And God wants us to live as salt. And God wants us to live as light. And God wants you to remember that you are salt, that you are light. And we need to determine not to let the salt lose its savor. You need to remember you're a son or a daughter of Almighty God, and you need to determine to live that. Now, Jesus goes on and says, look, since that's true, be happy. He goes on to say, don't fight with your brothers and sisters. He goes on to say, don't live in lust. He goes on to say, since you're my ch children and, and you're salt and light, don't divorce your spouse. He goes on to say, be honest and trustworthy. He goes on to say, uh, go the second mile. He goes on to say, love people unconditionally. Just love people, represent God, give, uh, pray. He tells us exactly what to pray. 
He tells us to lay up treasures in heaven. And he says to seek first his kingdom above everything else. And he makes a promise that if we do, all things will be added unto us. And he says, don't be critical of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he gives a little bit of a warning. He warns us and says, don't follow false prophets who teach you contrary to what I'm teaching you here. And he says, don't be like the fool who just hears it and then forgets it. He says, a wise man hears and does what I say. He says, a foolish man hears and walks away. Wow. Amazing passage of Scripture. We need to remember who we are. Remember what he has done and make a determination to live for him. You are children of God. Let's say this one more time. I am a child of God. Let's say that. I am a child of God. One more time. I am a child of God. Let's say this. I am salt. I am salt. Let's say this. I am light. I am light. Wow. We have the privilege of representing him. Let's do it and let God work through our lives. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.